0: victories to be won by the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Once my heart and soul were fettered, great emancipator, greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are happy to be here. Happy to be here. I'd rather be there, but we're happy to be here. <laughs> I like singing with you, not for you. Amen. Anyhow, praise the Lord. Once my heart and soul. a debt he did not owe. He paid To redeem man so that man could walk with God. Isn't that wonderful? That is glorious. That is the truth. He bought us by his blood. Amen. Praise God. He paid a debt that he didn't owe. That's so wonderful. Let's sing that first verse once more as we prepare to go to prayer. He paid a debt he did not owe tonight if you don't mind. Let's sing this together. Let's just worship the Lord. He's the dearest friend that we could ever know. Even on a Wednesday night in the middle of March 2023, God is more dear than he's ever been. Amen. Closest friend that we could ever know. Hallelujah. Oh, what a friend.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, indeed it's a privilege to call you Abba, Father, as we heard last time. That's who you are to us, and we are your children. As the prophet says, regardless how impure we are, how low we are, you are God you cannot change. Your election, your choice is above our mistakes, our shortcomings. So we come to you as your children, with everything we have and we are, first asking for your grace and your mercy upon each and every one of us. And you know the needs we have. You see every person, the youngest to the oldest, unspoken needs. You are the one who is Hebrew 4.12, who can follow closer even our intents in our hearts. Come, Father, and please, between every soul and spirit, and provide for the needs of your people. As Father, we are looking for what you have in storage for us today, anoint your servant to speak on your thought to us. Come and meet every expectation we have. Forgive our mistakes once again. Heal our disease. Restore our broken hearts. Those who are backsliding, Father, return back to you. May you receive glory out of this gathering tonight as we are looking unto you, the giver of every perfect gift. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. You may have your seats
0: this evening. I just want to welcome you once again. And those that have joined with us online on the internet, we just pray that God will richly bless you. Amen. We have victory in Jesus. Hallelujah, I was listening on the way to church, possessing all things. Well, you can't get excited when you hear Brother Brown preach that message. There's definitely something wrong, but my, he says, I'm an heir to all things. I'm an heir to joy, I'm an heir to peace, I'm an heir to victory. Things seen, things unseen, possessor of all things. Excuse me, but praise God. We have victory in Jesus Christ. And I want to sing that, victory in Jesus. Well, I heard an old, old story How a Savior
2: came from glory How He gained His life on
0: place for us. He's already gone there and he's already, well, he's been in process for a couple thousand years, building a home for me and you. Oh, what a place that's going to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's sing it.
2: Well, I heard about a mansion.
0: Let's sing together as we prepare to go to, the, to have Brother Michael Ray come and minister. Maybe we could just sing, God Will Not Reject Your Prayer. I don't know what the title to that song is, but we've been singing it. I just really enjoy that. It's just, amen. Let's just sing it together as we prepare to hear the word. You put in your order tonight, amen. Hallelujah. All right. God will not reject you.
3: That's indeed on our hearts tonight Lord why we've gathered together in this sanctuary Lord not a building but we've gathered our little licks of fire Lord. that's the church that's here tonight it's not this structure that we would call Cloverdale Bible Way but it's the people that stand in these pews here that Lord brought their little fire that little pillar of fire anointing that's hanging in their little soul. Lord, that you've dropped in and anchored them with. We pray together that we unite, Lord, our praise. We unite in worship. For you are the King of glory tonight. All else, Lord, doesn't matter tonight. Everything that transpired today doesn't matter anymore. But what matters is that we give you the glory. What matters is we worship you. What matters is we lay our life down so completely tonight that you could move on our scene. You could do wonders, Lord, amongst us that we would not even expect in this moment. But if we could just worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth tonight, Lord, you can do the unexpected. You would do the supernatural in our midst, O God let us loose hope oh God in your presence Lord let us forget Lord who's beside us tonight and Lord just focus on one thing that the mighty one the mighty conqueror the master of the wind would come in our midst we pray Lord we come to serve you tonight we come to hear from you tonight not just singing songs but Lord that an atmosphere would be brought tonight into our midst Lord by our praise we pray so now Lord we give you the word we give you the preeminence we give you the first place all other things set aside that you could speak now to our hearts we pray in Jesus Christ's holy name Amen. amen and amen glory to his name amen we're gonna worship him now and through the word tonight a little announcement as before we go to the word a good announcement I'm sure everybody, maybe some were surprised, I know there were a couple, but we want to announce the engagement of our sister Grace Amodi and our brother Joseph Gindo. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. Brother Shango and sister Vronique Amodi are so happy and thrilled, and brother Manuel and sister Francine are happy and thrilled. Amen at the engagement here. Who was is, who is taken by surprise? Oh, okay. Well, see, we know our congregation pretty good, then. That's good. Amen. We're thrilled for that. But Joseph, I'm trying to find you. Where are you? There we are. Yes, sir. Oh, I heard you had all the romantic aspects going on there. God bless you. Amen. Well, tonight I have a little... Subject: I'm very nervous about, and just trying to see how the Lord would open it up. It's just something that's been on my heart for quite a couple months. Just a line that I couldn't shake. Thank you, musicians. That'll be all tonight. And so we're going to read in uh, Deuteronomy 14:2 as a start. I'll just pray the Lord can have His way tonight. Somehow tonight, if there's a missing gap or something, Lord will fill in the blanks <laughs> for me. Fourteen two, scripture. Maybe you'll know. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto Himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Amen. And we'll just also flip over to First Peter. First Peter 2 and 9, similar theme. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a an holy nation, again a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen? Amen. Lord, may you have the preeminence in the service. You may have your seats this evening. Just a short reminder, the daylight savings is also this weekend, so to be sure you're on time for church, that's just a little reminder for you. The clocks are going to spring forward as we go into spring. I'm going to take a little subject tonight. I've titled it, What's the Difference? And I have just, uh, like I said, I pray the Lord helps me just come through a a certain channel. But peculiar people in the scripture, it denotes that uh, they are, actually the word means it's a unique possession. Uh, It's a designation. It actually means there's a difference between Israel and, and Deuteronomy and Peter speaking about God's chosen people. There's a difference there. There's something unique and, and there's something uh, very peculiar about it. But I just want to hold, hold that there and I just want to, I'll just slip on a bit of a different angle before we make our way back. But when you say, well, you know, what's the difference? We can think, well, you know, what does it really matter? What, 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 what's, the, what's the big deal is what you can think about that statement. And uh, sometimes we would say that if something's maybe irrelevant, or there isn't really a big difference between one argument and another, or an, another object and, another, and, and, and one beside it in comparison. You say, well, what's, what's the difference between this and that? You know, nothing really big deal. And, uh, and we would go through life, I'm sure we've had many of those moments where we've said, who said, well, what does it matter? What's the difference anyway? Who's ever said that? Yeah, everybody. Okay, nobody, apparently. It's a new phrase for you then. <laughs> Welcome to a uh, new vocabulary for you. <laughs> but those that have, you know, some things just indeed don't matter. Uh, we, you know, we wrap ourselves up in things, uh, I can tell you probably 99% of things that you went through today or that you're maybe stressing about, uh, today probably don't matter a month from now. And you'll look back and be like, well, wow, man, what was the really difference there? Why did I strain about that? Well, you shouldn't have because it didn't matter. It wasn't, a big, it wasn't a big deal. And sooner or later, you know, you'll find that out. So, so we go through a lot of different things that really don't make a difference, in our in our lives if you consume a lot of uh, I can tell you gonna consume uh, maybe some YouTube and Instagram and your social media and you'll probably look back and be like, what was the difference there that made any impact in my life <laughs> pretty much nothing right and so we can have these things you know I can tell you that I'd ask you you know with the bitterness that can be held in heart you may be down the road you say what was the real what difference did that make in my life negative difference. I can tell you that. You know, revenge. People hold on to revenge for a long time and they say, anyone saying if you're going to go seek revenge, you know what they say? They say, dig two graves. That's a common phrase apparently with revenge. One for the person you're trying to get to and the other one for yourself. And so these are things that, you know, at the end of the day, what's the difference? It's actually, it's a, it's a bad difference. There's a negative in that aspect, but really it doesn't matter. It doesn't improve. It doesn't do anything for you. And so these things are, are, are things that some can have really just not a lot of impact on your life. And sometimes they do, and, t- and it's too late, and you, and, you, and you don't even, and didn't realize it. One man said, their greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. <laughs> Tuck that one in your little uh, heart, Right. So how how often we can strive at things that actually just don't really matter and we really don't want to be the one that succeeds at all of those, you know? Nothing's worse than having given your all to something and in the end, it's like, yeah, what was the difference in that? We don't want to do that. We don't want our road to come to that. But sometimes finding the difference can be hard. It's hard to sometimes find the difference. You know, you can put up my first slide. Uh, I'm sure we've all had these... More, these uh, types of uh... oh you see it but I don't. All right, there we go. Yeah, you did these when you were a kid, I'm sure. Find the difference. And you're like, well, that's not too hard, brother it, Michael. It's pretty easy. A guy's got a little spiky feathers on the top, and this one doesn't. I mean, it's a pretty pretty straightforward business to find the difference. But if I went to the next one, and he said, well, you know, spot the difference here in the next slide, please. You'd say, okay. Well, that looks pretty similar but there's a couple little differences there if you look on the top and the bottom there's a missing uh, sushi roll for those that are sushi lovers you'd spot it right away well there's two extra two less sushi rolls on there that's vital but uh, and on the next slide you'd say well man that'd be difficult it is actually difficult I actually had to say there is not a thing different on this picture but I know you probably are looking pretty hard and just for those that do want to know, in the snowman in the bottom left corner uh, is three dots are missing on the snow globe snowman. So, there is a difference. <laughs> well, I think maybe one other one in there at least. But nonetheless, sometimes it's hard. You can take that off. Thank you. It's, sometimes it's hard to even find a difference in something. You know, And, and it, it's hard there. And you know, if I put up an image of... and somehow to try and represent in some way true and false... Uh, and you know and some sometimes it's blatant and you're like well it's easy you know this is true and this is false but what if it's true and just almost almost true right then it gets very hard to spot that and, and to try and you know see the difference between that and so sometimes things can get so close that then somebody says well what does it really matter who really cares what the difference is. It's just so close. Who really cared if there was a difference between those two pictures? Pretty much 99999999 percent of it is really the same. So does it doesn't really matter that it's different. And So maybe the culture we can even get nowadays is maybe a bit of a who cares mentality. You know, what's the big deal anyway? You do what you do, and I'll do what I do, and it doesn't matter. You know what's the difference to it anyway, and so no one, maybe, maybe nobody really wants to accept the fact that maybe there is a difference between right and wrong. <laughs> maybe there, maybe it does matter if it's just right and almost right. Maybe it does matter, you know. And maybe we should be. Uh, and if you, if I could say it this way, there's also deception essentially at the core of right and almost right. This is this is is uh, this is strategic. Satan is a strategist, and so he has made it so that everything in your world right now that you are, you are living amongst, and the scriptures, and the, and the, and the Christianity on a whole, which we'll go into, is right and almost right, and he's made it this way, all right? And so we should probably put on our Sherlock Holmes super sleuths hat and be a, a, a detective, at the word to ensure that we are not getting well no they just look the same it's all the same there it's not the word and satan has tried to take the word to twist it so that it's just almost right Amen. so that's the age we live in and so you say sometimes people say well what's the big deal you know what's the difference with all the different religions anyway you know you believe in God, and I believe in Buddha, and, and this is, you know, who cares? What, what does it really matter? Or maybe I believe in Jesus, and you believe in Jesus. You know, what does it matter that it's maybe just I have a little bit of a different belief than you? Or, or maybe just slightly different. We believe the Bible together, don't we? So, it, you know, it, there's not, what's the difference? Right? I mean, maybe somebody says they believe the Bible, and they think they do, but maybe they don't even, they don't even know what they're believing. Right? And so I'm just going to maybe go through some things that are that are not necessarily impacting. Uh, I, I know we're in a, in a sanctuary of message believers, and, and some of these things we know. This is you know we would say maybe uh, I, I don't want to use the term old hat because that's not what I would want to say. But it, I don't even want to say common. But it's things that we've we've read and we've we've lo- and and the Lord has revealed to us through a message. But I just so just just go along with me a little bit in the, in the thought tonight. And, and, and maybe something will just uh, kind of hold in your heart. But if, if we look at the, uh, I'd, I'd say, you know, what's the difference? It would maybe be at the center of Satan's vocabulary, as he would begin his perversion of the word of God. Because that's what he was trying. I think he'd be trying to get people to to really just kind of put it to the side and not really care. And every time he anointed a person to present or make a change in the scripture or, or in what the church were doing. As we would go back into the early Christian church. And Satan would start to now to pervert it. And to, and to bring in his, his own doctrines and his own ideas. And, and, and maybe someone would be like, well, you know, what's the big deal? What's really the difference, you know, if we're needing to bring in a little more proper order and structure into the church? You know, what's the really what's the difference anyway? We we need to control things or what's the big deal if we start baptizing a little different. We'll just change it here a little bit, or you know, what's who cares? And so we'd all start we'd all know if we go back to that time at the beginning. There was a span of time leading up that the church went forward, but at about 325, we would know AD, the the first, uh, you know, the Nicaea Council, and we would see where the Catholic Church would would be born, and it brought a certain different order and a certain governance to the church. And Brother Brown says, what are these Nicolaitans? The word comes from two Greek words, nikeo, which means conquer, and laos, which means the laity, which means to conquer the church or conquer the laity. And I would, if this is all Greek to you, I'd say you go home and you deep dive into your church age book. All right? And if it isn't new to you and it's not Greek, deep dive into your church age book. <laughs> it is an incredible Incredible book that Brother Branham put together. I mean, it is so full of, just opens the scripture in ways. And so if you've never read the Church Age book, you must read the Church Age book. I'd say throw every other fiction book aside. Until you have read the Church Age book, there shouldn't be another page of another literature piece or literary work go between your eyeballs and your brain until you've read the Church Age book. All right, but Abraham says, in plain fact, somebody was doing something that in the early church was conquering the laity. If the laity being, were being conquered, then it must have been some authority there doing that. What was, it, what was it that God hated that was happening in the church? What was going on then and is now going on today is exactly what the word Nicolaitan means. The people were being subjected somehow in a way that was absolutely contrary to the word of God. So I can tell you there was a difference there, but it was moving in such a way that people weren't maybe catching that there was a difference. And so it started to bring in the Apostles' Creed and, and certain doctrines of a- apostolic succession that bishops and popes, you know, would, were all connected back to the Apostles. And then they, they brought in, of course, pagan worship and amalgamated it, and saints were now being worshipped, dead saints were being worshipped, a communion of saints, as it says in the, uh, uh, ap- uh, the Apostles' Creed, brought in really an idol worship. Of the Trinity, which is essentially, my goodness. Well, we'll we'll go into this uh, just a little bit. God essentially is three persons. You know, one God, three persons. Not sure how that works, but that started to to infiltrate the church. All right, and the Trinity origin is where this became this started here at the 325 AD and, and you say, "Well, what's the big deal?" You know, how do we, you know, it's 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 God three gods, how we worship? Well, they were they, it was Satan coming in trying to pervert the word and pervert who they were worshiping. All right? And if, Trinity is found nowhere in Scripture. Again, you, this is things that many of you will probably and surely know. But we have younger ones in our congregation. We have children. We don't really speak maybe some of these things all the time. And so we're just going to go a little bit into it. And so the scripture, again, is not, it's, it's never in scripture, but it, is, it was debated at 25 AD. So here they were debating something of how to, you know, bring this concept of, of, of who God is and, and, you know, one, three, and how is he father and son, and they're debating this and come up, bring out a, even a word that's not even in scripture, and now it is believed by almost all Protestant and Catholic denominations. Scripture says, Brother Branham says actually, three unclean spirits like frogs. He says, went out of the mouth of someone. He goes, now notice quickly, are you ready? A trinity of spirits. Revelation 16, 16 to 17 says, and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the river Euphrates, and the water there was dried up and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils. Is that clear? Working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. I will be doing a little bit of reading tonight, and it will be a little bit quick. Please hold on. But Abraham says, a trinity of frogs. A frog is an animal that always looks backward. He says he never looks to where he's going. He looks to where he's come from. He said, don't you see where it was Trinitarianism born at? He says, remember three unclean spirits, individual spirits. He says, notice they look back to Nicaea Council where the Trinity doctrine was born at. Not in the Bible. He says, there's no such thing, they look back to the council. He says, notice now, it's a trinity of frogs. He goes, it's a, where'd it come from? A trinity, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Okay, this is, this is your prophet speaking. He goes, and where did they come out of? He goes, notice, it was, wasn't manifested until between the sixth and seventh vial, just before the seals opened. He says, I feel that spirit resenting that. You can imagine when he was speaking that just the devil and all of hell was resenting what was going forth my goodness. He says, notice the dragon. How many knows the dragon? It was Rome. The dragon stood before the woman to devour her child as it was. And he said, that's right. What was the beast? It's a power. And the false prophet, a false anointed one. He said, the false prophet, the first pope, from there, the whore, the mother of harlots, the whole thing. A false trinity was rising not in the early days, wouldn't be manifest in the early days, but he said, it's when the seven seals would come and open those mysteries to reveal them. That's when the fraud Dogs, the three unclean spirits would come out and manifest themselves so only at the revealing of this word at the opening of the word would that be revealed of what that was is what he is saying a Trinity doctrine against the truth he says see and that's what it was and, and, and so if you want to look at it here this began and you think well of course we, you know, you would read what the scriptures and the message, and you can go into the, the Trinity doctrine, and you say, well, you know, we, of course we can see that now, but if you, you want to remember that this was something that was, was happening as a, as a process, just a slow process. Then they would start to baptize in different titles, but a, Bram says, "Why did Jesus tell the people to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and Peter turn around and baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ?" He's talking to somebody. He said, "Well, that don't contradict itself. I don't see a contradiction." I said, "Just because you haven't sought out God right," this is Brother Bram saying. It. He said, "Brother Bram, does it make any difference if I baptize this way or that way?" <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. But if the devil could just work his way into the word and pervert it to the people, what they would say, well, does it really matter? It, it does matter. And so he's trying to move it away so that they are not actually receiving. And if I get into it, they're not actually even worshiping who they think they're worshiping. But we know in the Bible, even a single person that was baptized even needed to be rebaptized if they weren't baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It did matter. Uh, I wrote in my notes here, I said, my goodness, if I could shout out the importance of the pure, true, unadulterated Word of God, it must match Scripture. It must match Scripture. If it doesn't, it's filled with men's ideas somehow, some way. It's a trap of the devil is what it is, and you're worshiping the devil. That's exactly what's happening. And they don't even know it. Brother Bram says, oh, it started so small, so quietly, so inoffensively. It looked so good. It seemed so sound. Think about it. The early church years, this seemed so inoffensive. Such a small little thing, a, a little change in the church, or just in how the, the structure of the, of the believers, or, or how, who, how it was being governed in certain ordinances, and just, just a little change. But Abraham says, it seems so sound. And we get, I'm sorry, but you get these little loosey-goosey, worshipy type of church services. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Not happening little shifts that watered down the worship and the Word of God it shouldn't be you beware those things it starts small it might look good my goodness if it isn't spirit-led because it became man-led that's what happened it became man instructed how man wanted to do it well we should do this instead of being spirit-led and if it not spirit-led it's dead right, right. period I'd rather be old-fashioned and alive Then spirit, Uh, and and, then just man thought. But Abraham said, then it caught hold like a python and started to squeeze out the very breath and killed all spirituality there was in the church. Oh, he said the false vine is subtle. And I want to say, he said, I believe in leadership. Because he's speaking about in this quote, he's speaking about the leadership in the church and and how it started to to change and and govern and, and structure and kill the moving of the spirit of the Lord through the church. And he goes, I believe in leadership. It's not leadership of men, I believe, and I believe in leadership of the Holy Ghost coming through the Word. I believe also that God set men in church who are gifted by the Spirit who will keep the church in order. I believe that. I believe also that the church is ruled over by men that God sends to take charge by that rule, but that rule is by the Word. So that is not men really, but ruling, but the Spirit of God, for the Word and Spirit are one. That's how the church is led, by the Spirit of God. Amen. Then so then men started now. My goodness, school of theology and different seminaries, and you can see how Brother Brandon would come against and 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 speak so strongly against that, and how leaders were then trained up and governed how they should teach and certain things. And it, my goodness, now churches can hand out to all the different ministers, and here here's the, here's the Sunday morning service across the whole nation, and everybody preaching the same thing. Believe it or not, that happens. You say, wow. But that was the python grip, as it it weaved its way into the church, constricting. And at at some point you say, well, what's the big difference then? They didn't really, but now you can look back and say, well, it's a huge difference. No, but then it sure didn't look that way. Governance of man, hierarchy and structure, schools and seminaries are wonderful, Brother Bram says. I'm nothing against them, but that's not God's program. God chose the ignorant and the illiterate. Yep men couldn't speak that couldn't speak well couldn't even read their own name they're ignorant and unlearned but they had been that they had, he goes uh, but they had been to a far better school for they healed the man at the gate beautiful and they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus he said there's the school amen that's i thought my goodness lord I, I'll speak for myself, I'm a nothing, no good, nothing minister, I got no hermeneutics, this and that and the other, and all this scrambled business that they got in there, you read some of their stuff, it's a goodness, I don't even know what they're talking about, but that didn't matter, it was Peter and John who came walking out, and they started preaching the word, and all that they could think of was they've been with Jesus, that's all that mattered, that's the spirit of God that preaches to the church, there's the difference, So we can look back at the current state. Like I said, you remember this is a period of time. In fact, but Branham even states about this slow process that starts to constrict. He even talks about Polycarp, who even took, he said, a title of bishop. Polycarp was a man of God, but it was just moving slowly in. And so he was taking, he took a title of bishop. You could see how that was just sneaking its way through. And he was retaining that, which was off the word. But Abraham says, the separation of the clergy from the laity grew from the biblical truth of the elders, shepherds of the flock, to the deeds of Nicolaitans where the clergy set themselves in ranks over one another. And My goodness, if you go into some of the governance of, of the different denominations, it's, it's huge. It's a very long list of how it all works. And you don't even really think about it, but it's there. Because it slides its way in. And so then on the surface level, you can talk to somebody. and, Well, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I believe the Bible. Oh, you believe it. Yeah. But then you suddenly, suddenly realize that actually the, do- the seeds here that were, mani- that were coming through the church then have now manifested in a way. And actually, they may not even know it. But they're not even worshiping and serving the God they think they are. Right. Right. Sure. And I stood back and I thought, oh, God. There are millions, some denominations, 555 million, 70 million, this million, and they have no idea that the doctrines that they believe don't exist in here, and if you talk to them about it, they resist you and say that you're heretic, and it's heresy that you're even saying that the Trinity is false. Amen. You're the heretic. Brother Brown says... He says this was, talking about the clergy and ranks over each other. He says this unscriptural formula evolved into a priesthood that placed the clergy between man and God, giving the clergy certain rights, denying the laity their God-given rights. He said it's usurpation. In this age, it became a doctrine. Speaking in the resume of the church ages here, he says, but the clergy called it the word of God, and therefore, therefore, the doctrine was antichrist. That's as clear as it needs to get. You say, well, that was the Catholic Church there, Brother Michael, and that's pretty easy for us to spot and, and pretty easy for us to see. But, oh, really? Only because you've been given a message for this day. <laughs> don't, 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 don't just play it down here. But then if you want to jump forward and say, well, but like I said, pretty much every denomination also subscribes to those very same doctrines. You say, well, they're totally separate. No, they're not. Scripture says it's a mother of harlots and there are her, are her daughters because they, are, they subscribe to the very core and the same beliefs. They're not too far off each other. Almost all of them believe Trinity. All and most have some large governing structures and controls, and some pull away. If even Brother Bram talks about Luther, still has and the Lutherans. So he said they came out, they pulled away, but regressed back. And still, the Lutherans have pretty much the most Catholic roots out of all the denominations. And so we can see how each one, but as, but as you would see through the message, Brother Branham talks about all the so many different denominational uh, movements and the Pentecost and how Pentecost went so far, but they stopped. They got stuck at speaking in tongues as the evidence of the Holy Spirit. As Brother Branham says in one spot, they couldn't put a comma. They had to put a period. So your message says. Brother Branham says they say, well, now the church has come to a point where they never mind what God's Word says. You can't understand it. We have to interpret it for you. And furthermore, the is not finished, so it has to change with the times. And we'll tell you what the changes are, how contrary this is to the Word of God that emphatically states, let God be true and every man a liar Whatever there is a conflict with the truth. That's better, Brenham, in the Ephesian church age. Change with the times. I was reading an article today, and I was just in studying... And I came across an article about it just through the course of uh, of some searching, and, and he started to speak about his desire and you know the the, the, the focus of uh, of the ministry across America, you know is is more focused on living right than he says than souls being saved. I was like, oh well, that's a good good thought for him. And he says, "There a burden for souls" is an uncommon phrase to hear, and less so in anticipation and application. I thought, wow, he's got it. you know, that's, that's a good thing. We do. That's a burden for lost souls is so, so critical. He said a secondary issue facing our churches is the practice of aversion, where we're really turning away everybody instead of la- allowing people to come into church. And, you know, the homeless and the poor, and the handicapped, and, and all the different I- I- issues. And then he starts to go on, and he, I said, okay. I said, well, I, you, it starts to go a little bit strange. And he says well we need to start you know allowing different un- unwed couples and expectant teenage parents and the LGBTQ CIA and all of this and I was like okay where are you going where are you going with this and then I started, he goes, on expressing a desire for a revival and a move of God. And the, the anointing was in their fellowship as he was training to be a minister. And, he go, and then I read the next part of his, of his dialogue there. And he said, my fiancé was the main contributing factor in my return to the ministry, seeking online training. He is my daily inspiration. I said, God... But you could go talk to somebody and they say, "Well, what's the big difference?" We're Christian. You're Christian. I believe in Jesus. There's a difference. Amen. Satan has the whole system tricked, and you could witness to people, and you might hit them, and they ask you, "Well, what's really the difference?" because you go right back to the Word and you are so far off the Word of God. You are A and Z far off. But Satan has weaved it so subtly that it's hardly, they're they're not able to actually see the difference. And the devil is receiving all of that worship. Scripture says, Scripture says God is worshipped in spirit and in truth. So if you are worshipping in spirit and not in truth, who are you worshipping? If you are worshipping in spirit and in almost all the truth, who are you worshipping? You must worship him in spirit and in truth, all truth, nothing but the truth and if you are not, you are worshipping the devil. You say, well does it matter? Of course it matters. John 4, John 4 and 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is when true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Just so you don't, if you want to know where that comes from. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And Satan has trapped everybody so that they think they are worshipping God, but they are not. Because in Second Thessalonians, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind. Don't be shaken in your mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter from us. He said in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall come, except there come a falling away, and the man of sin will be revealed. Amen. The son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. But Abraham goes in to tell that man of sin. He speaks about the Pope and the devil basically receiving worship through that. He said, notice, the people exalt him above all that's called God. Doesn't Second Thessalonians say they would do it? And the authority of a denominational church, the people believing that denomination more than they believe God. And God is the Word. They'll believe their denominational creed above the Word, which exalts him above all that's called God. And there's only one God, and that's the Word. Amen. Amen. So he, he, as God, sits in the church of God, proving that he is small g God, because he's called the people, got the people worshiping him. God is the Word, and he exalts himself above all that's called God. You just take this to the next person that you start worship, witnessing to. He says, oh God, let the people see that deception. But Abraham says he's legalized sin. He's legalized whiskey drinking, cigarette smoking. And in the churches, he's legalized that women could be a member of the church with short hair. Now you maybe you just stop a minute. She can wear shorts. She can wear paints. She can belong to this religious group, which is absolutely contrary to the word of God. He says just the same. He said it's it's taking the forbidden fruit. That's what it is. God said not to do it, but he does. That's who they're worshiping. The same one that he said legalizes drinking and drugging and all that kind of thing. The same one they're letting in the women coming into church, the morality in the church, the men at good grief, the preachers are up there, tattoos all over their arms in their little, you know, punk rocky kind of garb. And that's what they call God. And that's what they worship. I say, it's Ichabod. (laughs) Brother Nathaniel, don't know if you're here tonight. I was studying what this. I believe it was yesterday, and he sent me a clip, and he said, "Can you go?" I just did, so was looking, and he showed me a YouTube video of the Chat GPT, and a gentleman who knows what that is, or do I need to explain it? Just way high, because do I, Okay, I'll explain it. Chat GPT. Students plug your ears, but you can pretty much put what ask it to to write, or or you know in this case, preach a sermon based off of a scripture, and it's going to spit out some AI-generated, you know, sermon. Or if an essay, you need an essay on such and such, well, it does a pretty good job. <laughs> so, anyways, but here it spits out, Brother Nathan, and we threw out a couple scriptures at it, and you're like, hmm, interesting. Interesting. kind of does this fluffy spin. How do you even know that you're not getting some AI-generated sermon? You wouldn't even know the difference unless you go back to the Word and say, no, that doesn't line up with this. But they've swallowed something else already. They've swallowed so much, I don't think they could even see a difference. That's a sad state. And so, here we are. There's not a lot of a lot of difference between us, and so that's how it can then just easily spin into, well, why don't we just all be like one? Why don't we just all be together? Because, you know, there's little differences here between us, and so the Balaam spirit, that's when that starts to weave its way through, because it says, hey, hey, we're just all the same. Really, aren't we? Mm-mm. It's a Balaam spirit, but Abraham says Jehovah's wife, when he brought her up out of Egypt and sanctified her, started her on the road, what did she do? She'd done the same thing. Jehovah had taken his wife over the promised land on the road up there. She heard a false prophet by the name of Balaam. And what did she do? Why? There's no difference in us. Let's just all unite together and be one family. That's what the bride, he said, has done in the world. United with the world, with her creeds and things, and denied the word of God. He says, this evil age is of darkness, yet belongs to the church. Small c. They're God. They love him for it. That's the the, the way he lets them do, and they have no condemnation. Nothing bothers them as long as they belong to church. Oh, he said, Balaam taught the church the same thing. Let's unite. We're the same. He said, it was the last trick. God never forgave them for believing such a lie. He said when Balaam added the word that we're all the same, God never forgive Israel for that. We're not the same. We are different people. When they say, what's the difference? You say, there's a big difference between me and you. If you're serving a Trinity God and you're serving a a false titles baptism and a structure of organization, there's a big difference. Because I serve God. I don't know who you serve. Actually, I do know. There's a difference, young people, churches, young people, old people, everybody. There's a big difference because God is a separator, actually. God's a separator. I know that don't really go good with the world these days, to separate and be, be, you know, we've got to be inclusive. I'm sorry, but that's not God's word. God's word's a divider. It's sharper than a two edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. The Word does that. If that's God's Word, He's going to divide what is wrong and what is right. What is truth and what is almost all truth, He'll divide it. He said, Abraham, come out. Leave everything. Separate yourself. He said, You're different from Lot. You're different from those that are just kind of loosey-goosey on the fence. Or or maybe believe a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Or you maybe believe some of the word and not all the word. Or they're halfway in the church and halfway out. Separate from that spirit. I can tell you, hey, Abraham went and rescued Lot when Lot was in need. Lot, I don't think Abraham didn't stop. I'm pretty sure there probably would have been some communication because he found out that Lot was was afar. But Abraham walked a standard. He separated his household. He would not join himself in. But it's okay, Lot. You know, we'll just walk together. They weren't agreed. So they had to separate. Abraham stood on the word of God that God had showed him. Lot chose to do his thing. And when Lot was in trouble, guess who he came to? Abraham. Abraham, who he called, said, I need some help. And when someone's out there and they, they fall and they trip and they falter, you know who they're going to? Their family member or their friend. They say, I know who can get a hold of God. I know who can get a hold of the horns of the altar. It's that person. I'm going back to them. I need a rescue. I said, Lord, if there's anything in our homes, separate us. I say, don't let us render this gospel message just to be the same as other religious denominations. Amen. Well, you know, I got saved and quoted some apostles' creed. I spoke in tongues and now I have the you know I have the Holy Spirit. Or maybe I went to a message church and I went to the altar. But in every one of those cases, if you didn't go out and have a word-filled, spirit-filled, life-changing experience, it's, I'm sorry. It's it's just a it's 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 a it's just the same as any of the denominations coming to church, still wearing jewelry and makeup and dressed like the world. I'm sorry. It's confusion is what it creates. It actually creates, a, it creates confusion in the household of God. I said, oh God, a few weeks ago, I said, Lord, where's the conviction? In our congregation, when the Spirit of God is present in the sanctuary, when we come to worship... And those that have the world all around them, they might be impacted and they're drawn to the house, the household of God. They're drawn because the, the presence and the atmosphere, they say, they, they desire to be in it. But where's the spirit of conviction, Lord, that would come upon them and say, I don't need all this makeup. I don't need to look like the world. I need to be holy and, and spotless by the word of God. We're in the old church. They go to the bathroom and they wash their face off during mid-services. God, where's the conviction? There should be a difference between the message of the hour and the gospel it produces than walking into some Pentecostal Methodist church where they can sing praises and hallelujahs and walk in thinking they're, they're saved and walk out and smoke a cigarette, drink a beer, look like they had a pig can all over them. It shouldn't be in the household. If this gospel can't change it, no gospel can. Let us not go so lazy fair. But let us get convicted. There's a difference. Anytime there came a question, anytime there was a need for some clarity, God would step on the scene. He says I need to bring a, a you know some some clarity whether on on my word. And so he'd bring in a difference maker. He'd bring He said no, no, this matters. And so he'd send a word through a prophet to bring correction to the time. Amen. He's ob- God is obligated to do that. He, he's going he's to bring a word to bring things back into order. So he said, God, in a couple different situations... He, he place. He, he says, I'm going I'm to come to a place to, to put my approval on one side. I'm going to put my weight on one side and say, no, no, this is the right way. This is the right way. I can think of Elijah on Mount Carmel when they were all serving Baal and serving different idols and the people were... Between two opinions, as the scripture says, Elijah said, why halt ye between two opinions? God then sent a prophet to the age to say, oh, I'm going to bring clarity to this time. I'm going to prove to you what is right and what is wrong and had a showdown because God says, I'm going to be the difference maker in this moment. Amen. Moses' time at the token hour, he brought a message through Moses' To separate and he brought a word down and he says put the blood on the doorpost it's token hour and you can imagine if someone was the token message was going forth saying get the blood on the doorpost get a ble- an unblemished lamb and the different different aspects that Moses would have been going out and it would go out to different ones as they were spreading the message of their hour and someone said, well, you know, does it really, do we really need blood on the doorpost? I mean, what's the difference? I don't, I don't have actually an unblemished lamb. I got a spot, spotted lamb. Is that okay? I mean, what's the difference? It's lamb's blood. No, it had to be exactly how the word decreed it at that day. It had to be a spotless lamb because it was a type of a spotless lamb. It couldn't be a blemished lamb. And if they did that and put that over their doorpost, I can tell you the firstborn would have died. And that would have been a terrible realization at that moment. And it'll be a terrible realization God have mercy upon every single person that thinks they're believing the word of God, and at that hour, they'll find out tribulation is here and they'll find they were believing an error. Amen. And God, every time, whether it was Jeremiah and Hananiah, Micaiah and Zedekiah, every time God had somebody there on the scene to bring clarity to the word of the hour to that day, that's what He did. God would do it constantly. Well, they say, well, if we jump up a little bit, say, well, we, I've gone up there witnessing and I've said, well, God sent a prophet. <laughs> Someone says, well, that's great. we got prophets, too. Oh, well, uh, maybe they put you back in heels a little bit. Everybody's got prophets. Yeah, Muhammad's a prophet. Everybody has a prophet, too. What's good about your prophet? I'll just say it in one short word. Vindication. That could just sum it up right there. Because you then have a showdown with whoever you're talking to. You say, all right, let's see. You have a prophet. And I just want to put him on one side of the scale. And I'm going to take my prophet that came in this day and put him on the other side of the scale. And then we're going to go to the word of of God. And we're going to see what your prophet says about this right here. And then I'm going to go to my prophet and see what he says about this right here. And then I'm going to go to what your prophet actually said and prophesied and what God showed him and see if it came to pass. And then I'm going to go to my prophet and I'm going to tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt because I have it recorded a tape because I can bring you back to where he starts speaking the, the thoughts and intents of their heart, telling them their name, telling them where they live. You tell me where your prophet does that and then I'll maybe listen. But I can tell you beyond a doubt that my prophet is the only vindicated prophet of
2: this hour. Put him to the test.
3: And so the prophet of this day also came to separate. Those prophets, my goodness, they stood alone. And when you stand alone, or when you stand on this word, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be different. You're different. You just can say it. I'm different. Feel free. <laughs> you're different. You know You know the song, Dare to be Different? I I thought, no, I'm not daring to be different. I just am different. It just says, I don't need to be provoked to be challenged, to be different. I am different. Because something inside of me is making me different. I can't do anything about it. We sing about Daniel in the Dare to be Different song. Daniel wasn't daring to be different. Daniel just was different. He walked into that atmosphere. They said, whoa, who is this? He's not partaking of nothing. He's not feasting on the king's feast. He's actually wanting to eat pulse. I mean, good grief. He was different. Joseph, highly favored. (laughs) And his father chose a coat. And he said, Dave, Joseph, I just love you so much. I've weaved this multicolored coat, and I'm putting it on you. You know what that did quite quickly? Joseph was suddenly very different than everybody around him because he was marked. Marked by the love of his father by a coat that he had bestowed upon him and and, and gave to him. And so now Joseph was there. Joseph did not hide in the darkness and only put the coat on when it became nighttime. I don't think he did that. I don't think he slept under his covers with his coat on. Oh, say, well, I love to wear it, but only between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. because people will see me. I don't think Joseph did that. His father, when he placed his coat on him, showing his love and favor to Joseph, Joseph did not shirk. Joseph wore. Joseph walked different. He did. He desired to. In, fa- in fact, he didn't. Come on, people, wear your cre- wear what you believe with. I, the world uses the word, but wear with pride. It says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors, but Abraham says seven colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Verse 23 says, and it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Okay, Joseph was going, he knew his brothers hated him, I'm sure, but he did not shirk what God had put on his father had put on him. You do not shirk what God has placed on you. The word of this hour. Oh, so he put it on him. I said he was proud of it to wear the way he wanted to. He didn't check the coat. He didn't hang it up because culture says to do something different. Because the world this day says you can't say that. You can't live like that. You can't do that. He didn't check it at work and say I gotta take my coat off when I go to work today. I gotta take my coat off when I go to school today. He work. His coat. He was unashamed to walk in the favor of his father. I say, what about us? What about us tonight? When the 7 seal robe of God has been placed on you and I, we can walk this message. God has put his favor on this age. It distinguishes. It distinguishes you and I From every other religion, that coat distinguished him of his love to his father and Joseph. That's the part that made him separate. This message is what makes you separate from the rest of this world. Butter Benham says, "There's been churches, churches, brides, brides, churches, brides, and brides, but there's got to come one that will be adorned." With the message of an hour, this hour is going to robe you to say, I've put favor. This is my bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Adorn yourself with the word. It's been specially, specifically, sacrificially given to you. Jacob, Jacob, Said, weave this code. I need this color and this color, this color and this color. I said, oh, we don't have that color. Find it. That's my desire. From our Joseph, find the dye. Oh, we got to go far into some other region to go, go find the right dye. So I like, Do whatever you got to do. I can do whatever you got to do. This is exactly how I want this coat ordained. Jacob wasn't just like, Will, bring me something. Fish up something out of your mind and make me a coat. No, he made sure it was exactly what was in his mind. God handcrafted the message of this day. He weaved and he carved and he chipped a prophet out of humanity to deliver it the way it was delivered. That wicked Satan taking the rainbow, six-colored wicked, adorning his world with a different rainbow color. That's the devil to be different. But they walk, they want to be different. And so they wrap themselves with their own rainbow. You think that's coincidental? I think not. But a true covenant angel. Wrapping this word, the covenant rainbow angel in Revelation descended himself and clothed you and I to bring out a peculiar, different, holy people who will not be ashamed to wear the robe of this word. As we come to a close. There is one. And you've been separated. You're different. But there is one. That there will not be a single difference. If we go back a little bit, there's a big difference. Scripture says, but Abraham says she was a mother of harlots. What made her a harlot, what made her a whore, was her doctrine. says what made them a harlot Her doctrine it was perverted the difference between a harlot and a wife is a wife stays pure to her husband and she ensures she's not out behind his back doing this thing and that thing she's concerned about her husband's desires she, she takes the instruction the direction of the household And she never injects for a moment her own thought into her husband's headship. (laughs) And that was enough for God to consider the harlot church a harlot because they injected their own thoughts into his headship. But a bride, the wife of Jesus Christ, is all the difference from that. Genesis 2 says, And the Lord caused... A deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took from out of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, Now is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. She was the very part of Adam. There was not a lot of difference there. She was flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. She was, she was exactly like the original. Brother Branham then says that she was after the creation. He said she was a byproduct because she came out of the creation after. But he said then God took us from his side a rib. Do you notice the body part was a byproduct? It was after creation. He said it had been, had been finished and he took the rib out of the woman, but not the spirit. The spirit was part of Adam at the beginning. He was both feminine and masculine speaking spiritually. He says, don't you see the great picture? We are in flesh, maybe a little different. Little like a byproduct, created being by holy wedlock. But he said, but the spirit of the living God he said, we are in his likeness because in his unity in the perfect image of the living God because we become sons and daughters, not separated. No different. We are the same spirit as Eve was part of Adam. The feminine spirit was already in him at the beginning so are you the spirit that's in you was in him at the beginning beyond time and space and you are the same as he is see how God planned it that way we should not be a different your prophet but him Amen. Not some other tribe, but a real union and offspring of the Almighty done by a holy union. He said, now the body comes from mother and father, but the spirit comes from God. Amen. Amen. Musician, why don't you come? As we close, we're not different to him. We are separated, peculiar people from the world and from every perversion the devil has placed and perverted the word of God. But with him, we are the same. I want to think, just take one final little piece on Esther. As she was prepared for the king. You know the the story of Esther. King, of course, moved Vashti out because she defied the king. And so then he brought in a whole, all the maidens, fair maidens of the land to find himself a king. And so every maiden would, would go through a, a purification. And uh, I have it here somewhere. I'm just trying to find my note. There it is six months of oil and myrrh <laughs> and six months of, of uh, sweet odors. Twelve months purification for these ladies. I'm sure some of you ladies would, wouldn't mind that. 12 months of spa treatment, essentially. And so they did this for 12 long months. And I can hear the king say after the 12 months was done, then the different maidens were going to be presented to the king, and who knows how long that had had gone by. And I can wonder if the king would, you know, another one would enter the room and say, what's the difference between this one and the last one? And he's just, you know, one potential queen after another potential queen. but there's something in his, in his side of him, he had a longing desire. Not just for some fair maiden. Just for somebody that's gone through 12 months of spot treatment. But something inside of him was yearning for something. It was yearning for what was a part of him somewhere. There's got to be someone that matches the craving of my heart. And so, you know, nah, there's, there's no difference between this one and that one. And, and the process would go on. And the scripture says, thus, every maiden would come unto the king, whoever would... Ed-. Now listen to this. Whatever she desired was given to her to go out of her house, uh, out of the house of the women to the king's house. So whatever that, that maiden desired to take, whether it was jewelry or who knows what it could have been, he, she would take that and maybe it would, you know, the king would, would love her to, to where he would desire to make her queen. And so she, the, each woman, each maiden, it's whatever she desired. And she would go in, and one after the other, after the other, nah, nah, you know, the other one brought in a golden necklace, just like that, what's the difference between you and her? And so it just would go on and on, but scripture says though, but the king would not delight in them, and, and it said in the evening she went, Esther, or sorry, and this maiden, she'd go if, if she wasn't accepted off, she went into some other house to be d- d- destined there forever, unless the king called for her by the name. So the king had to actually call by name for this other maiden to ever come back. And I can imagine he probably forgot every single name because what's the difference? They're all the same. But at the end, the only the scripture says, and it mentions that Esther, now when it was the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was to come to go to the king. She required nothing but what Haggai, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women appointed. Esther desired nothing, nothing of her own thought, nothing of her own reasoning, nothing of her own thoughts and passions or what someone else thought she'd say to her. She said, no, no, I don't want nothing. I have just left it all to the chamberlain, to the messenger, to the servant of the king, to tell me what I need to find favor. She needed what the messenger spoke to her. He was the one who knew the king's desire. Haggai knew exactly what Hazarus now wanted. Hazarus, or hey, Haggai, what do, what, what do you say I need? Well, I'm just going to go into scripture, and I'm going to tell you exactly what he desires. And he spoke to me, and he told me, Thus saith the king, this is what he desired. Thus saith the Lord, this is how to live. Thus saith the word, do this. Yes, the Yes. Yeah, That's exactly what I'm going to do. That's exactly how I'm going to act. That's exactly how I'm going to walk. I'm going to do exactly as you say, Haggai. Because I'm looking for the favor of my king. And so I can see Esther as she's taken into the presence of the king. Into his royal house in the tenth month. Which is the month of Tebeth. In the seventh year of his reign. In that seventh age, Esther is presented before a king, and I can see the king, oh, here's another one, here's another maiden, I don't know if there's much difference, this process had gone on, but his deep was longing for not a church's, church's, bride's, bride's, churches, but a bride, yeah. but one, yeah. and then he saw her, oh, something started to beat, Something that Joseph did just a little bit ago. This Joseph right here, his heart started to beat. He said, oh my, there's a difference right here. There's something different about this one. There's a big difference. She isn't adorned with this, that of the world, this adornment here. But she's, how did she know? How did she know that's exactly what I wanted her to wear? How did she know that's my color? How did she know that's how I wanted her to look? Because she listened to her messenger. Oh, my and maybe she even asked you're, you're beautiful you're, you're, just, you're extravagant tonight you're so different from all the other ladies that I've seen how did, how did you know this was my color well here's your servant told me oh did he oh, he's faithful isn't he oh he was faithful he just, he just gave me the words that I needed to get through all those 12 long months Esther you're his bride this is you You are being presented to the King. And those that have adorned themselves by the word of our day are are walking before him and he's having the same reaction. That's my variety. How she's looking exactly how I look. She's acting exactly the way I desire. All these other poor girls that would come in. And it was them plus their fashion. It was them plus their sports ideas. It was them plus their social media. It was them plus their idea that's off the word. But it wasn't Esther. It was nothing. It was only what the messenger had stated to do. And the king loved Esther. Above all women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all, and set a royal crown over her head, and made her queen instead of Ashti. <laughs> That's you. God is making you queen, and God is looking for different tonight. He's not looking for those that would bring and mix their ideas. That's why I say you could just you can stand. You can stand and you can look to each other as you stand and you can say, I'm different and I'm wearing it. Go ahead. I'm different and I'm wearing the robe. I'm wearing the coat and actually, devil, (laughs) I'm just going to show you. You see what's here? It's going to be a crown because I'm that queen. God's looking for different. Amen. Amen. Father Brenham says, and the groom. Remember how he said that Queen Vashti, or not Queen Vashti, and Hazar, he'd have to call by name. He didn't remember their names. I mean, he never remembered the names. But I can tell you, he never forgot Esther. He never forgot Esther. Because she was, whether he knew it or not, part of him. Right. Amen? And you are part of him. Yeah. Amen, because Brother Branham says, if it does something, he said, uh, if it does something different from the groom, it isn't the bride. But she's flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, power of his power, because it says she is him. And so the king would remember, only remembers the name of who is him. That's why you're Mrs. Jesus Christ. He can't forget you because you're part of him. He knows you by name, amen. There's no difference between bride and groom. Amen, Esther. You are him, amen. There's no difference, amen. You're peculiar, you're holy, you're spotless, you're blameless before him. Amen. That's why I want to sing tonight. I want to sing, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. I, if you don't know the verses, yeah, I'll have to sing them loud. I know Andrew does. So he's going to sing them loud with me. Amen. Help me out. I need the words. There we are. We're an anchor for those who are hurting. We're a harbor for those who are lost. I might have made sense, read some strong quotes. That's your prophet speaking. I'm not speaking about nobody specific, I'm just reading the prophet's words. But you're an anchor for those that are hurting. You're a harbour for those that are lost. May we never get to a place where we stand and scorn those that would be in a a denomination or in some other place where they're, they're locked, but you're a light to them. You are somebody that is holding the gospel, the true word. And may we have an approach that they can reach out and say, you got something and I'm ready to share it with you what do you need you're lost you're serving whether you know it or not the devil but I've got a word for you that you can serve a living God who you desire to serve you need a Lord let us be so approachable a harbor for those that are hurting somebody help me now that's low arms we got to go up we're an anchor Andrew Oh man we're For those who are lost Oh my sometimes it's not always easy Amen thank you Andrew Right from the beginning we're going to sing this conviction we're going to sing this with power We're going to sing this with who we are
0: We're an anchor
1: for those who are hurting, we're a harbor for those who
2: are lost, and sometimes it's not all.
3: Off to be at
2: you. Peculiar people. Oh, but still, I love standing up for my Jesus because of all that he's done.
3: World blind me to some he's a name But to me he's my everything Let's sing that one last little bridge again I've got too
2: much behind
3: Lord, I pray that's the real cry of our hearts. Lord, the prayers we would leave tonight. Lord, we're not ashamed. Lord, we're willing to bear the reproach of the cross of Calvary. We're willing to bear the shame as you it, Lord, as you walk the hill to, Lord, place yourself as, Lord, a willing lamb on the cross. Lord, we're willing to be peculiar. We're willing to be, Lord, all that you desire of us. We're willing to be different, to walk like a Joseph. Lord, that was gonna wear the coat. Lord, regardless of what the world says, we'll wear this message, Lord, of the hour, as it's been preached many times. Lord, you're dressing us. You're robing us in spotless white that we may be presented to you, Lord, favorable like Esther, where you'll find favor in us. Lord, not because we adorned ourselves, but because you adorned us by the word that you've given us. Heavenly Father, we dedicate ourselves anew and afresh. Go with your people tonight, Lord. Oh, God, may they be witnessing, Lord, vessels. May you use them. Lord, even speaking with our brother David Waldner, Lord, and what he's been sharing with his co-workers. Oh, God, continue to ignite the fire within the hearts, Lord. May there be an opportunity even tomorrow to clench the nail, Lord, to drive it down, Lord, and bring, Lord, maybe one of your last souls into the kingdom of heaven, we pray. We commit your people. Go with him now, dismiss him. May your holy presence go in each car. May they, Lord, be burning all the way home with with the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God be with you. As you walk out this door, you can sing, I am marked, marked wherever I go. A mark of distinction. The seal of God, the coat of His Word. You can shake hands with one another. Well, I am marked, marked,
2: oh, well, am